Hey everybody, this is Patrick Fallhaber, one of the pastors of the Greater Decatur Connection, and uh, we're glad that you could join us today for our series in Lent. Today we'll be looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And as a part of that, uh, we'll be beginning a conversation on what it means to live in the season of Lent, where in Decatur, uh, during the season, we're talking about how you only have to die and what that means for us as a congregation and what that means for us as individuals. And we'll begin that conversation here. Today, looking at Jesus' temptation, we'll be talking about the death of desire. Joy, will you read scripture for us? Sure. Um, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Man, the Gospel of Mark is so brutal and abrupt, and all the details seem to be missing from it, which is so frustrating for me. One of the things that jumps out at me immediately when I hear that text is that uh, John doesn't notice who Jesus is in the other Gospels, uh, if you've read them recently. Uh, John the Baptist, either you have Luke's Gospel where you hear all of the details about their birth being intertwined, or in Matthew's Gospel you see uh, John running to Jesus and begging him to baptize John instead. And uh, in Mark's Gospel, they may as well be strangers. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder what their relationship was, or even if there was one. And mm. in that experience, um, what's beautiful for me is that the Spirit is only present for Jesus. Mm. You know, those mystical experiences. I actually heard a story recently about someone who was at a, a just a normal youth gathering, and for some reason in the midst of that uh, service and time together, uh, he had this out-of-body experience. Everything was beautiful, and the way chords were coming together, it was, he was seeing visions and hearing things, and it, as the service came to an end, he looked to all of his friends in the youth group and just weeping. Wasn't that amazing? And his friend said, it was, it was fine. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about that experience that's different for each and every one of us sure. um, that I just think is absolutely beautiful. So as we start getting into Scripture, I kind of want to focus there. When have you had an experience of God in a way that surprised you? Is that something that you've even that you've had? I mean, it, it happens to me all the time in church of all places. And it tends to be when I'm most frustrated with with God and with God's people that God shows up. Um, I mean, I, I'm sort of, uh, I'm famous for having said several times that, that the church has messed me up, and, and it's definitely true. What, what's meaningful for me in that is that so often God shows up when I didn't expect God to show up, and God tends to show up in the people 
that I would least expect, um, which tells me something about who God is and how God operates. Yeah. I found it strange just to have God show up in strange things. I had a very important meeting earlier today, and I was really nervous about it. I was at a coffee house, and I sat down at a table, and I look up, and I'm not kidding. There was an, a box of inventory, and for some reason, it, was, it said relax huh. on the box okay. <laughs> where I sat down. So I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I needed that word, just you, that one word. Did you ask the barista if you could just buy the box without even looking <laughs> at it? I did take yeah. a picture of it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, for God to show up in just ways that you wouldn't even expect in car- on cardboard boxes. Right, right. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, the most recent experience I had like this was actually in uh, an annual conference worship service, which, mind-blowing, I know. But I was just, I I don't know why the sermon was really important for me to hear. The music came together in a way that uh, brought me to tears. And then the person sitting next to me said, oh, isn't this just so frustrating? (laughs) And I was immediately pulled from my experience. Um, But there's something about how God just meets us in ways that we don't expect, I think is just beautiful. And, you know, part of it for me, uh, and reading the rest of this text, is in order to have that experience, there's some amount of letting go that we have to do. You know, you have to see the thing that's in front of us. We have to see that word even in the midst of our stress and anxiety and be fully present in a way that kind of confronts who we are Mm -hmm. and offers a place for us to step into this new experience of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, that can be such a powerful place to be, you know, Jesus's experience in this temptation is actually really similar. You know, the same spirit that uh, comes down upon him like a dove and peace that brings the voice of God to him where he hears that he is a beloved, the beloved Mm -hmm. child of God is also the same spirit that drives him, forces him. In fact, the Greek word here, ekbalo, is the same word that's used later in Mark when Jesus casts out demons. The Spirit casts Jesus out Hmm. into the wilderness for 40 days, which in Scripture is just a long time. Sure. Which, uh, leaning into Lent, whatever people may be giving up, you know, Hmm. it's a long time for it to be away. Um, and I think that's how the spirit tends to work, at least in, in my life. It pulls me out of places of comfort and forces me to confront things that I am not necessarily comfortable confronting. Um, have y'all experienced that when, I mean, we're talking about death here, right? The series title is you only have to die. And the first text we come into contact with is Jesus his whole identity as the son of a carpenter and a mother who loved him, who were both here. He goes off into this, on this journey to find a stranger, a man, John the Baptist, who is calling for everyone to change their hearts and their lives and commit to God. And this is, <laughs> this is the moment that Jesus' ministry begins. Mm-hmm. And for us as Christians, this is the moment that we can look to and what it means to step into new life. Uh, it just blows my mind. What, right. what do you think about that? That reminds me of 
when a man came to me at one of the churches where I served and he said he was ready to be baptized. And I said to him, yes, I rejoiced with him. We prayed and um, figured out how to get him signed up to get prepared for baptism. And I said, you realize now that you've professed your faith, all hell's about to break loose. Hmm. When you say before God and anybody else listening that you are, you want to be changed, you want the Holy Spirit to come into your life and transform you, you don't know what that's going to look like. And to kind of be ready for that to totally, to change your life radically. Um, this going out into the wilderness, it's just, just to be ready to strap in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, thinking about the spirit here, Dalton, I actually want to ask you, uh, so it says the spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Now there's a lot, we're actually in a, uh, uh, there's a Sunday morning, uh, Sunday school hour class that we just finished at North Decatur on half truths. Mm. And one of the half truths that jumps out at me right here is that, uh, God only gives you, uh, what you can handle. And, you know, if the spirit's the one driving us, into the wilderness, if this new changed life pulls us into places that are uncomfortable. Is that the same thing, or is there something else going on there? So my experience of God giving me things is that sometimes God and life do give me things that are more than I can handle. And um, like, what, what what's difficult about that is I think that God is good, and I don't think God causes problems. I'm just not sure that the things that I'd name as problems are necessarily the ones that God would name as problems. There's something powerful about being driven to do the thing that God would have you do. And in my own life, I have been dragged so many places kicking and screaming that I've come to understand were exactly the places that I needed to be. And if I were left to my own druthers, I would have just stayed put, mm. I would have stayed comfortable, and I would have missed out on the remarkable work of God. Yeah, yes. I feel the same way, and that's why I wanted to ask you, enjoy it. I don't know if there's something that you wanted to share there, too. Feel free to jump in if there is. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, uh, when I read this text, the thing that gives me hope is that the same spirit that draws you into the wilderness and these experiences Mm. that transform Mm. and call you to something fresh is the same spirit that pulls you along into this new ministry. You know, Jesus comes out of this time of wilderness, both a changed person with a new identity as a beloved child of God, having been cared for by the angels, the messengers of God that come alongside us in the midst of our worst moments of life and um in good company of wild animals and that tends to be most of my closest friends yeah right (laughs) (laughs) you know the things that uh keep us company however scary and terrifying and awkward and uncomfortable as they may be having those things with me has kept me um helped me be able to continue on my walk uh, towards Christ into this new identity. And you can see that in Jesus's own life, which only gives me comfort. Yeah, I find that to be really meaningful because we, we talk about the Spirit's leading as if it's always this like come-hither motion. And, and sometimes, in some ways, and in some points it is, but like sometimes the work of the Spirit 
means that God has to grab me by my hair and pull me places. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, that what you're talking about, Patrick, in terms of walking through with companions is one of the central messages of the gospel. And for me, a central message of Lent, which is that, yes, suffering happens, and mm-hmm. it's real, and it's difficult, but you don't ever suffer alone. Right. True. Yes. Yes. And too often, I think, you know, just to the today we're focusing on the death of desire. Too often, our own desires get in the way of that work. Um, whether it's for comfort of being in the same place we've always been and knowing what those things are, you know, the devil you know is better than the one mm-hmm. you don't. Um, or if it's uh, some interest in in maintaining face with people who you may not need to be connected to anymore. There's something about just wanting to stay put or continue to progress, whatever that word may be, in your particular situation, as opposed to letting God invite, dictate, cast us out Mm. into a sort of wilderness that leads us to something fresh, something new, something we don't yet have words for. Um, I mean, Jesus himself only repeats the words he heard from John the Baptist, repent, mm. the kingdom has come near. He's not making, saying new things. He's living into a new identity tied to his baptism. Everything else had to be let go, and this new thing had to be lived into. Death to what was so that life might come. Man, that is so hard. It is so hard. I feel it is, uh, as, as clergy, one of the things that's unique about our system is, uh, as United Methodist pastors is that uh, if you do, like in the past, it's been such that if you do a pretty good job, you'll get a better gig and then a better gig and then a better gig. And then before you know it, I think maybe you're like, you imagine you become the fourth person in the Trinity, if not, <laughs> if not the bishop, right? And I, as I think about that, and I feel the temptation in my own life to like excel in terms of what that means worldly-wise, um, at the end of the day, not only is it not faithful, it's sort of boring. Mm. It's sort of boring because what we're talking about is the actual kingdom of God not a career path. Mm. And that's much more compelling and meaningful. And the kingdom of God, death can mean life. In fact, often it does. That doesn't usually look like what we expect when it's on a career ladder. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Fall off the ladder to do well. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I feel like we've had some really good conversation about this scripture and how it touches our lives. And at this point, uh, we still have a lot of work to do before we even have a good sermon, uh, which means that there's still a lot to talk about with this text. So right now we're about to transition into a moment of this podcast that invites you to be a part of the discussion. If this is something you want to do on your own while you're listening to this podcast, while you're driving into church this morning, great. If this is something you want to be a part of a conversation in your existing Sunday school class, awesome. If you want to pull some friends together and listen to this podcast together to think through these questions alongside one another, 
do that. That's an invitation for you to participate in this ongoing conversation that we'll have every week during this season. Some questions that we that came to mind for us in this conversation are these, and I'll just list them out for you. The first question is how can we let go of our temptation towards excellence to be more faithful? The second question is what are those modern temptations that we all have that keep us from living a new life? A third question is this. How can we be good to one another? How do we live as followers of Christ, coming alongside one another? How do we do that well? And this, another question that goes along with that. How do we support one another in this journey towards a new life without becoming isolating, where we're still open to new people coming and being a part of our community? Because the reality is, Every person that is created by God is a beloved child of God. How do we remain open to that while building new communities of faith? Thank you for being a part of this conversation with us, and we look forward to hearing how this conversation went. You can find all of the questions that I just read out to you online. They'll be on our greaterdecatur.org website. And you can find them there. You can also find a link there to send us an email to let us know how that conversation went. Uh, Please do join us there. Also, join us next week. Uh, Dalton will be leading us in a discussion on the death of knowing best, where we'll be reading about the rebuke of Peter as we continue in this Lenten series where you only have to die. Thanks. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 